Thank you for listening to the Martinis and the Macabre podcast. This show contains graphic content and explicit language and is intended for adults. Listener discretion is advised. Just because I'm banned doesn't mean I won't come back and kill all of you. And so like a week later, he came back and he came back with an axe and he murdered everybody in that village. Everybody, even the animals. Ooh. And that's the story of cottage cheese. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Intriguing, enthralling, lots of other adjectives. Good stuff. I use cottage cheese when I make lasagna, and I think of them every time. Kind of makes it taste better. A little bit. A little bit. Erica, go. All right, guys. Welcome to Martinis <clears throat> and the Macabre, the podcast where we drunkenly discuss morbid murders, mysteries, and mayhem. I am your host. My name's Erica. I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Billy. Hello. Who makes lasagna with cottage cheese. And we're... And- Ricotta. Ricotta. <laughs> There's other shit too, you know. Yeah, lots of good stuff. It's delicious. Nom nom. Nom nom nom. So tonight we're going to be covering a little bit of a mystery for you guys. It's the story of the toxic lady, Gloria Ramirez. And instead of uh, just laying it all out there in the beginning and telling you what happens, I'm going to set the scene for you. We start back on February 19th of 1994. At 8.15 p.m., 31-year-old mother of two, Gloria Ramirez, was rushed into the ER of General Hospital in Riverside, California. Talking about, I don't feel good. Yep. She was in tachycardia, which is having a rapid pulse rate over 100 beats a minute. Hers was so fast that when her heart would beat, there wasn't enough time before the next beat for her heart chambers to fill. This caused her blood pressure to drop as well as poor oxygen circulation. She was breathing rapidly and shallowly and was in and out of consciousness, symptoms unusual for someone her age. But Gloria had cervical cancer. The staff began pumping standard meds into Gloria, Valium, Versed, and Ativan for sedation and lidocaine and Bertillium for her rapid irregular heartbeat. And she was given forced air with an Ambu bag. She... They did a lot better than I would have if I was a doctor. You know what, what, would, you, what would you have done? Okay. Miss Ramirez, calm the fuck down. <laughs> that would have worked? I'm not yelling, but yeah, I think it would have worked. <laughs> and I probably would have saved money on medication and everything. They're like, we got to get we got to get 300,000 cc's of this medication stat. I'm like, wait, Miss Ramirez, deep breath, in the nose, out the mouth. Calm the fuck down. So, um, would that have worked when she was out of consciousness? I would have woken her up and said, Hey! Hey, wake, wake up! You need to calm down. Now go back to sleep. God damn, Billy, why didn't you go to medical school? I know, right? World would be a better place. Doogie Billy, MD. Doogie Billy. Gloria wasn't responding to any of these treatments. Physicians decided that a shock to her heart might be necessary to regulate her heartbeat. Is that like, is that like, like when the Nintendo ain't working, you turn it off, turn it back on again? See that? Kind of. It's like a reset. Yeah. Okay. They control all deleted her. Yep. (laughs) They wanted to try and reset her heartbeat. While staff prepped her by removing her shirt, they noticed a quote, oily sheen on Gloria's torso. And some noticed an odor described as a quote, fruity garlicky smell coming from her mouth. Paddles were placed on her chest and she was given a jolt. Registered nurse Susan Kane... Electrical jolt, not the drink. That would have only made matters worse. I remember jolt. They still make it. Do they? I don't know. Dad loved it. That and the um, flavored carbonated water. 
clearly Canadian? No, 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 no. Like the bad kind. Or just regular carbonated water. Or Seltzer that, water? Or as I like to call it, angry water. <laughs> that bites the inside of my mouth and has no reason to exist. I like the carbonation. Ugh. So this nurse, Susan Kane, began drawing blood for lab work. And it was green. It was not. Aww. But she did notice a chemical smell as the blood began to fill the specimen tube. Maureen Welch, a respiratory therapist, leaned in and smelled the syringe as well. Quote, I thought it would smell like chemotherapy, the way blood smells putrid when people are taking some of these drugs. Instead, it smelled like ammonia. End quote. Nurse Kane handed off the blood sample to medical resident Julie Gorchinsky. And said, smell this shit. <laughs> smell this? This smell bad to you? This smells like Windex and blood. <laughs> <laughs> who also noted strange manila-colored particles floating in the blood. So far, by all accounts, this bitch is an alien. Mm-hmm. Dr. Humberto Ochoa, the doctor running the ER that night, saw the specks in the blood as well. As Nurse Kane got up to head out of the trauma room, she began to sway and was caught by Dr. Ochoa before she could fall to the floor. She complained that her face was burning. Staff put her on a gurney and took her to trauma room one. At this time, resident Gorchinsky began to feel queasy. She said she was lightheaded as well and left the trauma room to sit at the nurse's station. But before anyone could ask if she was okay, Gorchinsky slumped to the floor. She began having intermittent episodes of shaking all over along with apnea, which is where you stop breathing for a few seconds. Okay, guys, does this sound like the beginning of a fucking zombie apocalypse? This sounds like patient zero, swear it, to God. It kind of does. While this was going on, respiratory therapist Welch who was still in the trauma room with Gloria, passed out. Quote, I remember hearing someone scream. Then when I woke up, I couldn't control the movements of my limbs. End quote. Others began to complain of feeling ill, the same nauseated, lightheaded, or burning feelings the other three had complained of. Hospital administrators declared an emergency and ordered all ER patients to be evacuated to the parking lot outside. Only a small skeleton crew stayed behind to continue working on Gloria, who still wasn't responding to any treatment. Despite their best efforts, Gloria didn't survive, and Dr. Ochoa had to pronounce her dead at 8.50. So she lasted about 35 minutes in the ER. Her body was moved to an isolation room while staff members scrambled to try and figure out what had caused the mass illness of their colleagues. Because of the potential that everyone in the ER could have been exposed to a noxious gas, Everyone outside had to strip down to their underwear and their clothing was bagged. So you got a bunch of people from the ER, sick, injured, whatever, having to get naked in a parking lot to get their clothes bagged. I would say that's hot, but it's not. Mm -mm. Oh, by the way, just now I posted on Twitter that we just started recording, so if, there, if anyone wants a shout out to let us know. So I might be jumping in here every once in a while shouting out people on Twitter. Hey, all right. Live tweet. Yeah. Oh, God. Is that what I'm doing? Yeah. Hey, I'm live tweeting. Look at me. Look at you. Out here tweeting live. Yeah. Huh? Uh-huh. So parking lot. Parking lot. Inside, both Nurse Kane and resident Gorchinsky continued to suffer from their symptoms. Sally Balderas, a vocational nurse that had helped move Gloria's body into the isolation room, fell ill. She complained of burning on her face and began vomiting, soon so sick that she too was laid out on a gurney. Out of 37 ER staff members working that night, 23 experienced at least one symptom, and five were hospitalized overnight. Could any of this be a neurosis type of thing? We'll get into possible theories. Nurse Balderas was admitted for 10 days due to continued bouts of apnea. The most severely affected, resident Gorchinsky, spent over two weeks in ICU suffering from apnea, pancreatitis, hepatitis, an avascular necrosis, a condition in which bone tissue is starved of blood and begins dying. Her case attacked her knees, forcing her to use crutches for months and requiring at least 20 surgeries over the next 10 years. According to clinical toxicologist Sheldon Wagner, quote, it takes a really damn potent toxin to do all that, end quote. So around 11 p.m. that night, the Riverside County Hazardous Materials Team arrived, trying to find any form of noxious gas that could have triggered this mass illness. After checking for all of the substances and gases they were equipped to test for, nothing was found. Now, in the days that followed, Gloria's body was sent for autopsy, 
and no one was taking any chances with that. <laughs> Makes me think of Outbreak with the hazmat suits and yeah, they it, got the got the they got the oxygen coily tube going to the ceiling and stuff. And it, there's a monkey and Cuba Gooding Jr.'s there with a helicopter. Did that sounds about like that? that sounds about right. It's, it probably went just like that. Just like that. It was done in a specially designed sealed room with doctors in full airtight suits and respirators. That little monkey's cute. <laughs> Her body had been bagged and then placed in an airtight aluminum crate in an attempt to seal off any potential leaks of hazardous substances. This is starting to sound like a mix between X-Files and Indiana Jones. X-Files actually did a episode no shit. based off of this. They did. <laughs> I love that. Samples of blood, tissues, and even the air from the body bag were taken. Once the autopsy was done and the samples had been analyzed, the coroner couldn't find anything remarkable. Gloria's official cause of death was listed as a heart arrhythmia brought on by kidney failure related to her cervical cancer. And then after that is heart failure. And when that happens, there's really no chance. Well, the heart arrhythmia would have eventually caused her heart to stop. So yes, heart failure. Yeah. Which is related to the kidney failure that was brought on by her cervical cancer, is the what they said. The world's number one killer that is heart failure. Heart failure. Once that happens, man, look or out. Or suspense. Ooh, shit. That, that's what um, one of our favorite listeners, Kate, said. Uh, that should be my name, is the suspense. Billy's Snuggle Bunny Jones, and I'm the suspense. I'll always get you. Yeah. <laughs> um, we're going to team up, and we're going to take over the fucking world. Word. It took the county over two months to turn over Gloria's body for an independent autopsy. But that autopsy could not be completed as the heart was missing and internal organs were allegedly cross-contaminated with fecal matter. They could have been there. I mean, something caused that horrible smell thing. I've never known shit to smell like ammonia, though. I don't know, but I bet she was full of shit. <laughs> fecal matter. <sighs> Gloria was finally laid to rest 10 weeks after she passed in an unmarked pauper's grave in Olivewood Memorial Park. And several of the references that I um, looked through said that her family actually, actually had to hold a yard sale to help pay for the burial expenses. While this was going on, the California Department of Health and Human Services were called in, and two scientists, Drs. Anna Maria Osorio and Kirsten Waller, were charged with leading the investigation. They interviewed 34 members of the hospital staff that had been working on the night of the 19th. Using a standardized questionnaire, they began to notice similar factors between those that had become ill. Staff that had handled Gloria's IV lines or had been within two feet of her body experienced more severe symptoms, such as convulsions and losing consciousness. But all of their blood tests came back normal after the presumed exposure. They also noticed that it tended to be women that were affected, not male workers. And none of the paramedics who had been in the ambulance with Gloria in close proximity and starting her IVs had complained of any illness. The scientists started to think that this was a case of mass sociogenic illness, much like the cases of mass hysteria that we covered before in episode 19, None of Your Business. That's the title of the episode. We're not being rude. <laughs> none, N-U-N. Between the strange smell of garlic, the oily sheen on Gloria's body, and the bizarre appearance of Gloria's blood, the scientists believed that Nurse Kane could have been triggered with fear, nausea, or other stress responses that could have been, that could have been then interpreted as being physical reactions to a hazardous gas of some kind. She was a vampire. Vampires don't like garlic. Somebody gave her garlic. It fucked with her blood. She got all oily, and she took as many motherfuckers with her as she could. I got it. Wow, that's a new one I had not read about. Thanks for listening, guys. We're done here. <laughs> so they think Nurse Kane reacted to this, and she took it as being, "Oh, I've been exposed to some noxious gas." And then those closely working with the nurse, and they happen to be close to Gloria's body as well, were all female, who are historically considered much more susceptible to mass hysteria, according to a literature survey published in the British Journal of Psychiatry in 2002. Mm -hmm. So basically they think we're cray. 
They could have seen the nurse's responses and fallen into that same mindset. It seemed improbable, but was it possible? All the tests done on Gloria and the hospital staff showed no signs of toxins. So in September, seven months after Gloria was rolled into the ER that fateful night, the health department released its finding that the staff suffered a mass sociogenic illness that was triggered by an odor of unknown origin, even though numerous staff were hospitalized and the nurse and the resident physician continued to have symptoms and undeniable ailments well after the night of the incident, you know, like your knees rotting off and all that shit. A lot of people thought this finding was total bullshit, uh, as do I. Especially resident Gorchinsky, who filed a $6 million lawsuit against the hospital and county. But more testing was still being done. The Riverside Coroner's Office had requested help from the Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory's Forensic Science Center, and they had been running tests since March. They had analyzed blood, bile, and tissues from Gloria's organs, as well as headspace in the sample containers. Headspace being the pocket of air between the samples and the lids, where the gases could have vented off of the samples. This is where it gets a little bit nerdy, so put on your listening ears. The lab uses a computer-guided gas chromatograph mass spectrometer, good lord, on the samples and found some strange compounds in a molecule called dimethyl sulfone. It is sometimes produced naturally in our bodies from amino acids that contain sulfur, but it is also manufactured as an industrial solvent when just one oxygen atom is removed turning it into dimethyl sulfoxide, commonly known as DMSO. DMSO is sold in a gel or cream and can be purchased by anyone. Many people use it not as a degreaser, but as a topical pain relieving aid or an alternative cancer treatment. It can be prescribed for interstitial cystitis, which is a painful bladder syndrome. I understand everything you're saying. <laughs> shingles. In a few other conditions, but is considered not much more effective than a placebo, and there aren't any studies that provide guidelines for proper dosage. The scientists thought that maybe Gloria had been using it for pain or her cancer, but due to her kidney failure, she wouldn't have been able to excrete much out of her system. There was three times more dimethyl sulfone found in her samples than there was codeine, and I don't understand why if you have codeine, why you feel the need to put this much of that DMSO on you. That part just doesn't make sense to me. But even at this level, it wouldn't have been fatal, and it definitely couldn't have made all of those staff members sick, but it could account for the oily sheen that was seen on Gloria's body and for the strange garlicky odor that was reported because people have said that it kind of smells and tastes garlicky. So how could this home remedy be involved? So here's some even more nerdy stuff. We won't make fun of you. We won't <laughs> pants you. I kind of have to explain it so you understand how they're formulating this theory. <clears throat> you know, seriously, so far that thing you keep talking about sounds like you're saying cell phone. And the only thing that I've really gotten out of this whole thing is you said the word shingles. Other than that, I have no Dimethyl idea. Dimethyl sulfone. S-U-L-F-O-N-E. Cell phone, yeah. And shingles. Ring, ring, motherfucker. Ring, ring. Here's a shingles. You guys can capture that right there as a soundbite and make that your ringtone. <laughs> so, if one oxygen atom is added to DMSO, it makes dimethyl sulfone. It changes from one solvent to another. But if two oxygen atoms are added to that, you get dimethyl sulfate, a very toxic chemical, the vapors of which kill cells and expose tissues, i.e. the eyes, mouth, and lungs, basically the whole general area people were complaining of burning. When absorbed, it can cause convulsions, delirium, paralysis, coma, or even death. There can also be delayed damage to the kidneys, liver, and heart. It has been tested by the Department of Defense as a nerve gas, but has never been manufactured for use in war. <laughs> that we know of. Hmm. Dun, dun, dun. It's sad, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. All of the symptoms the staff complained of, except for <clears throat> nausea and vomiting, matched what dimethyl sulfate could do, even Gorchinsky's hepatitis, as it can attack the liver. But how could Gloria's body have started adding oxygen atoms to a solvent to form this vapor? So, let's say Gloria used the DMSO gel for her cancer pains. Then she collapsed, most likely from her kidney failure, 
The ambulance came and paramedics slapped an oxygen mask on her because she couldn't breathe. The oxygen molecules would have then flooded her system and could have combined with the DMSO that had been absorbed through her skin, forming the high levels of dimethyl sulfone the scientists found in her samples. This level was made even higher because of the kidney failure and not being able to clear it out of her body. So she took the DMSO, they flooded her with oxygen, the two combined and it made the dimethyl sulfone, which was then increased because her liver or kidneys couldn't excrete it. So are you talking like the perfect storm? This would have to be a very perfect storm. Like all tumblers of the lock fell into place and this yeah. just, like this would never happen again. Well, this part all makes sense and seems really plausible so far, especially since the scientists did an experiment where they cooled down ringer solution, which is basically like your basic IV fluid that they would give you if you're dehydrated. They filled that full of added dimethyl sulfone and then they cooled that solution down to room temperature and it formed white crystals. Crystals that might have looked manila colored if in a vial of room tip blood, possibly, like the staff claimed to see in Gloria's blood. But getting that to transform into a toxic vapor is the questionable part. So dimethyl sulfone is volatile and would have quickly fallen apart in a body's warm blood. I love that word. Volatile? It's a good word. <laughs> That's how I don't... Everything is like so, like not nerdy, but so above my head. I'm like, that's a good sounding word. <laughs> I like that word. <laughs> you know that that word volatile? I love it. It hits my earballs good. So there wouldn't have been enough in Gloria's system, if changed into a vapor, to injure the paramedics on the way to the hospital. But once they're at the hospital, in theory, when her blood was drawn into the cooler air in the syringe and started to crystallize. The cooler air also slowed down the breakdown of any dimethyl sulfone that had bonded. A good amount could have been in the syringe, and some could have vaporized off of the blood. Is there any way after all this you could put it in layman's terms, or are we so far down the rabbit hole that it just can't fall? I will happen? try my best. Okay. <laughs> when she was defibrillated, this could have caused a massive conversion, breaking down the sulfone, which then could have bonded with the natural sulfate compounds in her body causing an invisible gas bomb of dimethyl sulfate around her body. So, like I said before, she used the DMSO, the oxygen could have bonded with the DMSO to form the sulfone, and then they're saying that that could have vaporized off of the blood sample because the cooling down of the blood would have slowed down the, the breakdown of those compounds. Some of that could have vaporized off of the blood. Then when they gave her the electric shock and defibrillated her, all those ions and shit pulsing through her and around in the air could have then converted that sulfone into the toxic vapor. Yeah, sulfones. So I wonder if after all this, all these companies that make this thing had to... You, would you know like how like the warning label on a hairdryer is there because somebody's fucking done it? So do you think like... The, this medicine now has a label like don't mix this with this and if you mix this with this and start dying don't get shocked just lay there and take it it does not oh man it should and let me explain why because this theory is very controversial for some chemists and this isn't what Livermore saying happened they're saying this is a theory some chemists think it's not likely that dimethyl sulfate could have bonded in her body with sulfates that were naturally occurring and held together because they've never tested this to see if it could be done. Though the Livermore chemists think it's possible that even a tiny fraction could have. Some chemists debate the symptoms the staff experienced, saying that it should have affected them more like tear gas, irritating their eyes and causing them to cry. One physiologist, Jack De La Torre, stated, quote, when you're exposed to dimethyl sulfate vapors, the first thing that happens is it makes you start to cry. None of the hospital staff reported tearing or other eye irritation. Furthermore, many other known effects of dimethyl sulfate usually take several hours to hit, and yet the fainting spells and other symptoms at the hospital began to occur minutes after the supposed exposure. End quote. Hi, Heather. <laughs> hey! She didn't say she wanted to shout out, but she put a heart thing on the post on Facebook. So to me, that means... You loved it, and you loved the shout-out you just got, so... Yay! Yay! 
This theory was the scenario proposed in the official Livermore report, which the coroner's office decided to just take it and run with it and released it in November as absolute fact, which it was not. One of the biggest critics of this theory was Stanley Jacob, who is a physician and medical researcher at the Oregon Health Sciences University in Portland. He did a great deal of the clinical research on DMSO in the early 1960s and felt that significant quantities of the suspected chemicals couldn't have even been produced from DMSO. Dozens of worried women that were being treated with DMSO for their cystitis began calling him after the report was released. He stated, quote, I just tell them that dimethyl sulfate theory is a chemical impossibility, end quote. Yeah, he's better at that than me. I just tell people it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> this shit ain't real. Did they tell her to calm the fuck <laughs> down? That's all they had to do. That's all they had to do. Said, Bitch, calm your ass down. You know, it's like whenever you hurt real bad, you don't have to go to the doctor. Just put a fucking bait in on it. Drink water. Damn. You got it. No truer words have been spoken, Billy. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears. If you cut your arm off, just calm the fuck down, okay? Put a band-aid on it. Yeah. Okay, step one, sit down. <laughs> step two, don't die. And then my advice as a nurse is to immediately form a tourniquet and hold your uh, stump above the level of your heart. <laughs> and then while you're doing it, just be like... While calling 911. And this Billy a, wants you to deep breathe. This is a lot to process. Okay. <laughs> My hand was there and now it's not. Let's workshop this bitch. Okay, so. Arms over there. Getting cold. Gotta calm down. Gotta calm down. <laughs> if I don't, Billy's gonna get mad. <laughs> well, also, one of the chemists with Livermore has even been quoted as saying, We never said, quote, this is what happened. Just that people should look into it. Ah, uh, they're backpedaling. Owen Livermore never even ran any tests to confirm this theory or ran any successful simulations. So they basically just kind of brainstormed and went, hmm, maybe this happened. Believable, right? That's like people hear me like, maybe there wasn't an alien spacecraft that crashed in Nevada. Maybe there was. We're not saying. <laughs> A big issue with this theory is that Gloria's family denied that she even used DMSO. So, if that's true, there's a monkey wrench in the Livermore theory right from the beginning. Because they're basing it all off of the theory that she used the DMSO topically. And the medical conditions of the staff affected seem to outweigh any possible case of mass hysteria, especially among clinically trained and experienced professionals. Sounds like DMSO. So what else is there? It's not mass hysteria. It's probably not the DMSO. The Ramirez family claimed it's the hospital's fault due to hazardous conditions that were already present in the hospital. Just three years earlier in 1991, two employees had to receive medical treatment after being exposed to a poisonous gas that may have leaked out of a sterilizer. And in 1993, just the year before, Sewer gas was found hanging out in the ER during an inspection. And sewer gas is a mixture of both toxic and non-toxic gases that are produced from the decomposition of sewage, hence sewer gas. Poo-poo and pee-pee. Yep. All that stuff. In high concentrations, some of the toxic gases can even become deadly. Gloria's sister Maggie was quoted as saying, I honestly believe my sister may have lived if she hadn't gone into the emergency room that night. I don't know what the county is afraid of, but we want answers. You know, I agree and I disagree. I don't think you can attack a hospital just because somebody died in the fucking hospital. But, at the same time, hospitals are not the cleanest place in the fucking world to be. A lot of people think it is because everything's like sterile and the, t the tools That's where all are, the sick people with germs where, go. That's where, that's where they're go. hanging out. That's where shit's floating around and if people don't perform proper hand washing gets transferred from one service to another and if it's not there it's public schools yeah it's and the god one of the sickest places you can be is in a hospital or a nursing facility or anywhere where they're taking care of very sick people there are actually three strange things that happened that could support a cover-up of some kind the first is that deputy coroner dan cupido originally declared that gloria had not died from natural causes after doing the initial autopsy 
after the county revealed their, quote, official conclusion, Cupido did a 180 and said that she, in fact, did die from natural causes. He backpedaled like a motherfucker. Yeah, this this is very professional. <laughs> Second, the initial investigator from the coroner's office, investigator Stephanie Albright, committed suicide a month into the investigation. Capito stated that Albright, quote, may have been under pressure due to the Ramirez case. And the third strange thing, the syringe used to draw Gloria's blood, gone, accidentally discarded. Officials and staff took the time and caution to bag everyone's clothing outside <laughs> of the hospital, but a vial of blood from the central patient inside the hospital gets tossed. That doesn't make much sense. Kind of strange. Sort of like in the the Garrett case, how the semen sample just went bye-bye. Yeah. Just it's disappeared. It's pretty hard to miss this woman's blood sample. It should look like the predator's blood. <laughs> it's got fucking crystals floating around in it. I mean, you can't miss it. It's probably the most popular thing in the hospital because you would stop people, even civilians, not even like people that work there, just like, look at this. Look at that. Yeah. It's like a snow globe, but gory. Yeah, how, how does Smell that it. just... Smell it. Smell it. <laughs> how does that just fucking disappear? I, I don't... I don't get it. The last theory, which I guess Billy can tell us about his vampire theory more in depth if he'd like to, but... No, I said all I needed to say. Oh. Made it short and sweet, huh? No, okay, look. If you want to know what I'm talking about, there's this great documentary. Okay. It's called the Lost Boys. Now the Frog Brothers. <laughs> they they tell the boy to wrap himself up in garlic. Remember when he went to bed with his mom, and the uh -huh. mom's like, "Oh my god, have you been eating He's pizza?" Got it under his robe. Yeah, yeah. That's how you keep him away. And she remember why would she smell like garlic though if she's the vampire? She had garlic. I'm sure if you shoot a werewolf with a silver bullet, they smell like silver. My point is, is remember. So you're saying someone else smeared garlic on her? I think somebody else was like, here, eat this. She was like, okay. And she ate it. And she was like, what was in that? <laughs> like, when we were in Colorado and my sergeant gave me a shot, or his wife did, gave me a shot of something with, I think, Malibu in it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that tastes like coconut. Is there coconut in this? And she was like, yeah, there's coconut. And I was like, I'm allergic to coconut. And then I had to go puke. Same thing. Same thing. <laughs> Same shit. I don't have my glasses. <gasps> Ooh. Same thing. <laughs> Glasses on Glasses and off. back off. It's a really good documentary. I'm surprised a lot of you haven't seen it. From the 80s? Thou shalt not... That documentary had a good soundtrack, too. The last theory I'm going to throw out this is... Aliens. She was abducted by them there ETs and fiddled with. That's all I got. Vampire aliens. <laughs> Some people actually think... That her toxic blood is a sign that she had been messed with by aliens. Did they check her anus? I'm sure they did in the autopsy. Because aliens are prone to messing with to anuses. Prone. Prone to prone. prone. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all I got. So, I don't really know. I mean, it would have to be exactly a perfect storm for the whole Livermore theory to work. It seems the most plausible, but I mean, the, I think that the chances of that happening would be astronomical. Hi, Stephanie Hanks. Hi, Stephanie. She didn't say anything, but she liked the post. So yay. I'm giving you a shout out. So what do you think besides vampires could have possibly caused this? I don't know. Honestly, it would have wouldn't it have to do with I mean like her own body chemistry before she even took all that stuff and what and what the cancer did to her body chemistry and the iron in her blood and the pH levels of her skin and something had to have gotten in there and kind of seeped out which gave her like a whack or gave her like an oily she could have just been dirty. Dirty people have oily sweat. Trust me. I know. So it could have been any number Would it of have things. been enough to create an oily sheen? Yeah. Have you seen porn? <laughs> That's what you're watching for? See the sheen on their bodies? Porn and vampire documentaries. That's all I do. <laughs> That's what Billy does in his spare time. I don't ask you how you do your research. 
I definitely did not correlate the Lost Boys with this episode, but yeah, you did. So it's you thought outside the box. It's something to not like disqualify. It's nothing to just you know disregard. I'm not disregarding it. I'm just saying it's. Did does anybody know? Does anybody around her own a German Shepherd? No, a husky. No, we don't know that. You know what? Mikey had a husky. So, there. Take from that what you will. Nanook. Nanook. Yeah. You saw it. You saw the documentary. Yeah, I saw it in the past. I didn't watch it for this episode, though. Mm. I'm actually quite astounded by your theory of vampirism, but... It's, it's, it's a sound theory. We'll have to cover vampires another day. I've already got that one ready to go. We just need to get it recorded. Gotta get Sarah back. Yep. She was determined to be on the vampires episode. Sarah's determined to be on every one of like, the cryptid <laughs> episodes. But that'll be coming up in the months to come, because we've already got our next one lined up. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. Tee-hee. But it's something to be thankful for. Family. Yeah, family. They're the oh, best. Family. That's all I'm going to say about that. But anyway... The Ramirez family ended up filing a malpractice suit and a wrongful death suit against Riverside County. It had to be a very specific lawsuit, seeing as it happened in the ER in the, like the heat of the moment. I could understand a malpractice lawsuit for for a surgery or a procedure that's planned, but like, but like you come to the ER and there's a round in your thigh, and you're like, "Oh, it's by the femoral. Oh, we gotta get it out. Shit, I clipped the femoral." I don't know if that's really so much malpractice as shit happens and it ain't fair, but what are you going to do? Well, I think their idea was that this toxin was already there at the hospital and that maybe when they evacuated, they didn't leave enough staff to tend to her. I'm not sure. But the case ended up not going to court. It was settled out of court for $80,000 without the county having to admit any wrongdoing. Gorchinsky lost her case And the county sought legal expenses compensation from her. So she actually had to pay the people who said it was all in her head. I'm not saying that it's wrong or right, but I get it. I get it with any lawsuit. If somebody was to sue me for something and they're wrong, I'd be like, well, guess what, fuckface? Since you made me spend all my time in this fucking courtroom, you're covering my costs. Since you had all the time in the fucking world to drag me in here, I get that. Anybody who sued and they win, counter sue. They made you come into the courtroom to deal with this shit. True. But I think they should have just let it go considering they basically told this woman she was crazy and making it all up. Even though she spent months doing rehab and on crutches and having surgeries, they should have just let it go. My opinion. Yeah, maybe. Ethically, yeah. But I mean, I understand that side of it too. You know how crazy it would have been if when OJ was found innocent, if he turned to, I forget their names. Marsha Clark. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. And if he was like, you know how much I'm paying these fucking guys? Guess what you're doing next? You're going to help me pay for these fucking guys. I don't know that you can sue the state for compensation. Well, that'd do something. Shit, that's a hmm. chunk of money coming out. I'm actually not sure about that one. But, I have another theory. But hold on. Gorchinsky okay. said that she actually had to pay $40,000 to the county, but they claimed it was only 15000 Either way, it was thousands of dollars that she had to pay back on top of all of her medical bills. That that was just a little yeah, frustrating that to sucks. me. It, it sucks, for sure. Yeah. And she used to like to surf, and she can't do that anymore because her knees are so bad. But it's all in her head, right? She can bodyboard. <laughs> Boogie board. Yeah, I'm trying to look at the bright side. <laughs> she can kayak. Ain't nobody saying she can't go down a water slide, shit. <laughs> What's your other theory? Okay. Oh, breaking out the glasses. Glasses on. All right. So you've seen... The suspense to- is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so you've seen Toxic Avenger. Dude got thrown in a toxic waste and became a superhero. Maybe she saw that and was like, maybe if I do that... She went and rolled around in some sewer gases? I can be a superhero. There goes my hero. I mean, if Spider-Man got bit by a radioactive spider, I'd be x-raying a lot of spiders to get them all radioactive. And then I'd dip my hand in insect food and then fucking dip my hand in there and be like, get it. 
These are all comic books. Fiction. They're still books. Yeah. Kind of like pamphlets. There are people out there who would kill you for saying such things. <laughs> I I can understand that. Class is off. But the, they're all fiction, honey. At least that we know of in this day and age. We don't know that for sure. We don't know of any radioactive superheroes that dwell on the earth. I'm just saying, sometimes people try to imitate art and sometimes it doesn't go good. Prove me wrong. Anybody, please. Then why did all the tests come back negative on all the people affected? They weren't doing the right tests and they didn't call me. Because first thing I would have been like, one at a time, guys. I know this is a conference call. You guys need to calm the fuck down. <laughs> one at a time. Chill out, dude. <laughs> hey, man. Cut it out. Oh. So this is a mystery that will probably not be solved until we can find medical technology and testing that could prove what actually happened. Yeah, And then, I don't even know that that will ever happen. Then again, even if they do find the technology or anything like that, name the one person with enough balls to exhume her body and dig back in there. There's no fucking way. I would assume, because of how high profile this case was, this was all over the news, it was national, um, the fact that so many different agencies were involved... I would think that there nothing have to of her be, body left. <laughs> well, her heart was missing. So, yeah. what other tissue samples were missing? They probably still have samples somewhere. I'm sure they probably haven't tested them all to the point of there's no further testing. There has to be something floating around, which means if whatever caused this had residual and stayed in the samples, there's a potential for another leak. Or whatever you'd like to call it. I think we need to thank the good doctors and the good nurses for not spreading the uh, zombie virus. Which is probably what this really was. Yeah. Get those people out in the parking lot now. Which is why the Department of Defense wanted to weaponize this. Yeah. You, it, what, what, what army can you fight that's already dead and walk around going... Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know? It's, like it's a win-win. It's easy. Hmm. Very eloquently said. God, I'm so smart sometimes. Not today, but there are times I am clever. Uh, I thought you should be a doctor. Calm down. <laughs> calm down. Yeah. Because <laughs> that seems to fix everything in your mind. Just That's, calm the fuck down. That, yeah, if I'm a doctor and I get paid, I'm like, okay, nurse, did you tell him to calm the fuck down? All right, I'm on my way. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so this is truly one mysterious woman, and they dubbed her... The Toxic Lady. You That's... can find it all over the internet. I went back and actually found news articles from newspapers and magazines like Discover and Time and the Washington Post. I mean, Mad. it was not covered in Mad. Oh, man, that's why I didn't, that's why I didn't know what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of uh, reference material out there, and hopefully it's all accurate and I didn't bore you too much with the chemistry. I was just trying to explain it in the easiest way possible. They basically think that the electronic zap of the defibrillator made this, like, gas cloud around her. I had to go down to a hobby store this past week and buy her a chemistry set just so she can try this shit out and kind of get an idea for it. So, you're welcome, guys. That was her Christmas gift. We blew it early so we could do this episode. So, yay. <clears throat> and I was perfectly fine. I'm still here talking to you guys, so... I didn't die. Shit. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think that's about it for this episode. We want to always thank Phaser765 for the music and artwork for the episode. You can find him on SoundCloud, YouTube. He also has a Patreon. If you go to our website, martinisandthemacabre.com, there is a music page that has a full track listing of all his songs that we've used, and there's also a link to his Patreon on that page. Um, also on the website, you can find a full catalog of our episodes. Uh, you just click on it. It'll link you to our Libsyn page where you can listen to them without having to download or worry about it on your phone. Um, there's an about page, a contact page. Hit us up with any suggestions, comments, questions that you have for us, anything you want. You can always find us on the contact page or email us at martinisandthemacabre at gmail.com. Cooper Sheldon said... Cooper, the industrial archaeologist, would like to ask you, but I believe you're done with by your believe you're done with recording by now. We're not, Coop. 
We're still here. Can't wait to listen to the new episode, and I enjoy your son's music at the end. Thanks. Thanks, Cooper. (laughs) Thank you, Cooper. He's a very big supporter and always engages with us on the Facebook pages. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Martinis and the Macabre. We also have a fan base page called Friends Who Like Martinis and the Macabre. Find us on either one of those. I usually try and post them both when I post something. You can find us on Twitter at martini underscore macabre. Billy handles more of that, does the interactions. I'm rarely on Twitter. But you can find either one of us through there. Friend us, follow us, like us, share. Um, That's the biggest thing you can do for us is, you know, get the word out there. Share us on your Facebook or Twitter. Retweet. Um, Tell friends about us that you think might be interested. And, of course, always, if you're able to, leave us a rating and a review. That's very much appreciated. Um, I know you can on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. I think there's a couple others, Podknife. If you're available to do that, do that. If not, send us an email. Post on our Facebook or our Twitter. Just let us know what you think and get the word out there. Yeah, and the more you rate us and review us on iTunes, the easier it is for your friends and anybody else to find us. We did get... um, our first one-star review, they actually left a review and basically said that we talk too much. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry about that. We're trying to work on that, trying to keep stuff streamlined. We're since, talkative Tonys. Since we've had that complaint. So whoever that person was, I'm sure they're not listening now because obviously they don't like us. But <laughs> anyone else who thinks maybe we talk too much and stray off topic, we're trying to work on that, make things better for you guys. And if you guys like the off-topic stuff, let us know and maybe we can do like a bonus episode with random stories or bloopers or something like that. I don't know. Just an idea. So hit us up. Let us know what you think. Um, Do we have anything else to promote? No. Nope. Just check out Phaser765. Keep sharing us. You guys stay safe. Calm the fuck down. Calm down. And we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.
So a customer yelled at me today at work. Why? So I know when people are starting to become alcoholics. And he asked me that. He was like, how many alcoholics do you have coming in here so much? Or, you know, all day. I'm like, a ton. He said, well, how do you know they're alcoholics? I said, well, usually you'll come in and get the same thing every day. Like a half pint. Now, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Even if you come and get a pint every day, there's nothing wrong with that. You have it under control. I said, it's when you go bigger. That's when I start noticing on my end that you have a problem. So if you come in and get a half pint every day, and then after a month you bump it up to a pint, that's when I notice. And he was like, oh, if I ever do that, let me know. So he always gets a half pint of vodka every day in the morning. And then and then like today, like mid-afternoon or something, he came in, got a pint, half pint, and a shot. I was like, so, um, you know, I'm not your preacher or nothing, but you told me to tell you. <laughs> and I'm telling you, I'm, this is, I'm starting to I'm notice. noticing I'm noticing something. this. And he was like, don't try to tell me I live my fucking life. I drink whatever the fuck I want. And I was like, what the fuck? I said, you told me to fucking tell you this. Are you serious right now? Yeah. And he stormed out, said he's never coming back. Okay. Well, fucking whatever. People don't make any sense. I don't get it.